Welcome to Success in Medicine. I'm Dr. Samir Desai. As medical students, residents, and physicians, we devote so much of our time to the needs of our patients. We work incredibly hard to deliver high quality care, and we consider it a privilege to do so. We strive to build strong relationships with our patients so that we can give them the care that they deserve. But what about our own relationships? I'm talking specifically about our relationships outside of medicine with our significant others. Are we doing what we need to be doing to nurture our own relationships? This episode of the Success in Medicine podcast is about you, your significant other, and the relationship that the two of you have together. Medical school has been known to put tremendous pressure on relationships. The qualities that make for good medical students and good physicians, things like perfectionism and dedication, these qualities can hinder our ability to develop and maintain healthy relationships with our loved ones. If you spend some time on discussion forums, you'll quickly find lots and lots of people looking for relationship advice. Here's one that I came across recently on the student doctor network and I quote my boyfriend started medical school about a month ago and I'm having some tough moments relating to the stress he's going through I do my best to be supportive I do more of the chores cooking and cleaning to make things less stressful for him I do my best to help him calm down when he's stressed and work with him to make plans to get all of his work done when he's overwhelmed I thought it would be a good idea to ask him if we can set aside time once a week for two hours where we do something fun together and disconnect from schoolwork. We tried that for the first time today and it went terribly. He was distracted and not at all present. I told him I was upset about that and that I understand in some scenarios our relationship will have to take a back seat to medical school but that I think it's still important to have regular moments where we check in as a couple. She went on to ask the community about how she could be more supportive of his needs without completely compromising her own. She wondered if her efforts to make sure their relationship remains an important part of his daily life was asking for too much. And finally, she asked for advice about what she can do to make sure the relationship doesn't become a burden to either one of them. In reading her post, I really felt for her. She's certainly not alone in the way that she's feeling. She and her boyfriend are struggling with issues that so many couples in medical school are dealing with. And to help us explore these issues in more detail, I am pleased to have Sarah Epstein here today as my guest on the Success in Medicine podcast. Sarah is the author of the new book, Love in the Time of Medical School. She knows all about the challenges involved in being in a relationship with a medical student, having dated her husband, Brian, during his four years of medical school. In her book, she shares her experiences and offers some very specific strategies for relationship success. She has joined us today to share these strategies with us. 
Sarah, thank you for joining us and welcome to the Success in Medicine podcast. I'd like to start off by asking you to tell us a bit about yourself and how you came to write your book, Love in the Time of Medical School. Sure. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm so excited to be here. Um, I am finishing up my training as a marriage and family therapist, and I started dating uh, a pre-med student about seven years ago, and uh, he is now my husband, and we are now in residency, but along the way, there were so many challenges that we faced as a couple through medical school, from the application process through the residency application process, and just there was a point where I realized that there was so much I wish I had known. I knew I was studying to be a therapist. I knew I was, a I was able to combine my skills with this very real thing that was happening in my life and started researching. And three years later, I had the book. That's fantastic. And, and let me ask you, when you started researching your book, did you find that there was a lot out there? There actually wasn't a ton out there. A lot of the research having to do with medical relationships uh, was very old research, uh, and most of it was within the paradigm of the male doctor and the female housewife. So there's very little out there on female physicians uh, with male spouses, same-sex relationships, or even just dual career partners. Right. How do you deal with it when two people ha both have uh, careers that they're working on? I was able to find some and I, uh, I supplemented the research I had with a whole bunch of personal interviews that I did with uh, with uh, medical school couples. So I interviewed a bunch of medical students and I interviewed a bunch of people who were dating medical students and then aggregated that with my own experiences and the academic research that is out there. Well, that's wonderful. It sounds like you really took a, a balanced uh, view here, sort of a, a effort to research the literature as well as reflect upon your own experiences and, and talk to others as well who had gone through similar experiences just to kind of get a comprehensive view of this whole process. Would that be correct? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I At first, I started by talking about my own experiences, but I, I sort of realized that my experience wasn't going to be everyone's. And so I really sought to get a breadth of experience that I could put into the book and try to capture a lot of different perspectives. I want to ask you about something you wrote about in the introduction uh, to your book. You wrote about how, as the significant other of a medical student, you sometimes felt like the third wheel in a two-person relationship. Tell us why it felt that way. Sure. Yeah, I, I definitely felt that way, and it was unexpected. Um, but the thing is, a medical student is kind of in a committed relationship with their dream of becoming a physician. And it's a non-negotiable dream. It's a dream they've, in most cases, thought about for you know many years by now. And medical school has a lot of demands. It demands your time. Medical school demands your energy, your money, your emotional energy. And so it felt like every time we had a conversation about our relationship, medical school's needs needed to be taken into account. It was like there was a third person in the room, and very frequently we had to defer to that third party. 
And so that's how I started to feel like the third wheel. And of course, we have some couples who come together during medical school, but then we have many couples who find each other before medical school starts. And you, in fact, met your husband, Brian, before he started medical school, and you had a chance to see firsthand the challenges involved in applying to medical school. So what advice can you offer partners of aspiring medical students in terms of the support that they can provide during the application process? Sure. Yeah, I really had no idea how involved it is and how there are different parts of the application and you have to wait until you get through the first part and you get okay to send in the second part. It's a very involved process. Um, I made either the excellent decision or the terrible decision to start dating my husband as soon as he started studying for the MCATs. So I really came in on the ground floor. But there are a few things you can do to support your partner if Uh, they are applying to medical school. You can be the person that they vent to. They're going to need to talk about it. It's a really stressful process. You can read their application for them. There's always an essay portion. So doing that, you can help them start to research schools and cities. Now, depending on where your relationship is, you may or may not have a say in where that person applies or where that person chooses to go. But at the very least, you can help with the research process and really feel like you're a part of it. Um, And if you're someone who can sit with them and and help them practice their interviewing, that's also incredibly valuable. And Sarah, I want to ask something related to that because we're talking right now about students when they're applying to get into medical school and the type of support their partners can give them. But what about the other way around? You know, I know that can vary a bit depending upon where your relationship is, but what advice can we give to aspiring medical students about, you know, the support that they can provide to their partners during this process? Sure. No, and it's it's a good question. I mean, obviously, I think it's a good question. But I, I think having a general awareness that If you're in any kind of committed relationship that it's going to dramatically impact your partner's life, too, right? They're not the medical student, but they are choosing to spend their time and become romantically involved with that student. So they might have to switch cities if if they choose to move where a medical student moves. They might have to make decisions about their career and their life based on the medical students. So having that awareness and that empathy. And I think one of the things that it took me a long time to realize was that I I was entitled to feel stressed out about medical school. I felt like even though, like because I wasn't a student, I wasn't allowed to get stressed out. But I was in a committed relationship with a medical student. Like it, it, it was stressful. We We had to make a lot of decisions. We moved across the country you know, and it impacted the trajectory of my own career and really challenged our relationship. So make room for your partner's stress too, because it's also valid. You know, relationships are obviously so stressful and, you know, that's relationships in general. But now if you add in the long distance factor, which a lot of couples in medical school are are dealing with, We're talking about some other things to be thinking about, and I know that you also experienced that with Brian because Brian decided to attend 
medical school in Miami, but before you joined him there, you actually spent a year apart uh, while you were teaching, and you were teaching young children in Thailand. And so in the <laughs> book, you, you talk about the challenges of long-distance dating. And since there are so many couples dealing with the same issue, I wonder if you can offer some advice on how couples can stay connected while they are far apart. Absolutely. Yeah, so so we decided to go big and move. I moved half a world away. Um, we were 12 hours apart, which means that at any given time, we couldn't talk between the hours of 12 and 7 because one of us was sleeping. Uh, so we really had to get creative and we really had to get intentional. So much of our relationship up until that point felt a little bit it felt easy and seamless. You know, we could be around each other. Even if we were both busy, we could be sitting in the same room. We had all of those experiences. Relationships are built on shared experiences. And when you're apart, when you're long distance, you don't get that. So the first thing I would recommend is if you can go visit your partner, if they're the one in the new area, if you're both in a new area, try to visit each other. There's something about being able to picture where your partner is, who their roommate is, who their friends are, where they're spending time. It makes a big difference in terms of how connected you feel. And Brian and I experienced that because before I left for Thailand, I visited Miami and I got to meet his new friends and see his new school. But he had there was no way for him to understand the culture and, and this entirely new world that I was living in. And it almost cost us our relationship. It wasn't until he moved that uh, we really were able to reconnect. Um, and the other one is something that I call the, the one of our favorite tools that we used was the one line method. And the one line method is each of you every day when you're apart writes one line down in a diary, in an email about your day. It could be something small something funny, something interesting. And at the end of the week, you send each other the seven sentences that you've accumulated. And that way, even if you don't get to talk much that week, you'll have those little prompts like, oh, I see something funny happened with your professor or tell me what your, what, you know, your students said or those little things that really help you maintain that connection. Well, that's wonderful. Thanks for sharing the one-line method with our listeners. I think that's, you know, something that people are looking for is how can they stay connected, and that's one more tool they can use uh, to keep their relationship healthy. Yeah. Uh, I want to talk to you about stress in medical school. We spend a lot of time talking about what medical students go through. I don't think we spend hardly any time talking about the stressors that the partners of medical students face during medical school. I wonder if you can tell us about what some of these stressors are and what are some ways to handle them? Yeah, so <clears throat> you're right. There, there are unique stressors that partners and medical students face. One of them is what becomes sort of, sort of one-sided emotional effort with the relationship. So in any relationship, three there are three parties that need attention. You need attention and affection. Your partner needs attention and affection. And the relationship itself needs that. But when you're with a medical student who's overworked, overtired, overtaxed entirely, what can often happen is that the partner does all of the emotional investment in the relationship, does a large bulk of the work to make sure that things are 
stay good and stay, you know, stay connected while the medical student uh, kind of treads water and starts to get things done. But noticing that that can happen and finding small ways for that medical student to take the initiation, even though they're really busy, will be vital because nobody wants to feel like they're doing all the work in the relationship. So that's that's a big one. And sometimes it'll happen that for long stretches of time, if you're dating a med student, you're going to do a lot of the work because they're studying for an exam. But feeling like you can renegotiate that. And when the exam is over, you know, find a way to put the medical student, find a way to put in more effort can start to feel like it's still a mutual relationship. Um, yeah. And, you know, you, you bring up this uh, concept of time. We're all trying to find time. And students in medical school, you know, are pulled in so many different directions. And clearly, we need to find the time to nurture and maintain our relationships. So with lack of time being such a major issue for couples during medical school, I want to talk to you a, a, more about that. In the book, mm -hmm. you write about the postponement trap. Can you tell us what that is and how that can affect the relationship and what we can do about it? Completely. So the postponement trap is something that happens in medical relationships where the relation, the, the couple puts things on hold and defers to the needs of the medical student or the medical career. And they basically say, well, this person has an exam. We can put off this conversation. Well, when medical school's over, we will go on vacation. We will reconnect. We will do all the things that you want to do with your life. And the problem is that, it, first of all, it doesn't work. A life in medicine is just a different lifestyle. But it also serves as a you what ends up happening is that the the two members of the couple end up leading parallel lives and no one nurtures the relationship there's something about medical school where it will always feel more urgent in some ways but you have to make room for the relationship as you go um, and if you don't, you fall into the postponement trap you you tell yourself that you're just delaying gratification which, Certainly you will have to do. There will be times when you can't have that conversation because they're taking an exam tomorrow and maybe you have the conversation after the exam. But if you continue to do that, you wake up one morning and realize that you're completely disconnected. And there's something that you wrote about in your chapter on communication that I felt could really help with nurturing the relationship. And this is about the importance of frequent check-ins. Why is that so important? Yeah, so most relationships have a pretty consistent cadence to them. So people take on kind of a consistent role in the relationship and the schedules are pretty consistent. But with medical school, every year is different. And honestly, every block is different, right? Your anatomy block and your biochem block might be different levels of difficulty. A pediatrics rotation and a surgery rotation are going to take up different amounts of time. So you can't assume when you're with, when you're in a medical relationship that you can just fall into these consistent roles. What part you play in the relationship might shift over time. When Brian was on a surgery rotation, he did very little other than 
work and sleep. So I did a, you know, we were living together at the time. I did a lot more of the housework, but at the end of the rotation, we checked in and we reassessed what could be done on his next rotation. And having those frequent check-ins makes sure that both people feel like they're getting what they need from the relationship. And it can feel really good to watch your relationship adapt because it, it shows the flexibility that the two of you have and it means that when things come your way, you can handle it. I want to also talk to you about stress during medical school. We know that we can't get rid of that stress. It's a constant. But there are certain times during medical school when stress is at very, very high levels. And one example of that is when medical students are applying to residency. And in your book, you have this great chapter on the residency match. I wonder if you could talk a bit about how the couple can support one another during the residency selection process. Sure. Yeah, residency applications can be a really stressful time. Um, first of all, it's one of those pivot periods where because you're about to go through a transition, you have to kind of reevaluate where the relationship is and what role each person gets to play. So, for instance, when Brian was applying to medical school, I didn't have a say in where he applied. It was it was kind of early in our relationship and it didn't feel appropriate. But when he was applying for residency, we were married and we were going through it together. So one of the things you can do or that you probably should do if you're in a committed couple is sit down and talk about your priorities. Is it is it to get the most prestigious program? Is it your partner's job? Um, is it proximity to family, weather, all of those things? So sitting down and getting on the same page about what your priorities are is vital. And, and sort of realizing that there are going to be some additional stressors during that year. You know, the fourth year medical students tend to take their vacation time to go on interviews. They're filling out applications. So they have even less time than usual. And so finding ways to spend time with each other and to check in about your priorities, decide Who's going to, you know, what say each person gets in terms of the rank list are all really important factors. Sarah, in addition to the book, you also have a website. Can you tell us about your website and what readers may find there? Sure. So um, there's my website is called datingmed.com, and it's a website dedicated to uh, medical school relationships, essentially. So in addition to information about the book, you can get uh, a free chapter of the book if you'd like to download one just to see kind of what the book is all about. Um, I keep an updated blog with topics related to medical relationships. So building your emotional support system, you know, traits of successful medical couples, according to the research, you know, traps that medical student couples can kind of fall into. So I've got things like that. Um, and I've got a whole bunch of resources up there specifically geared towards medical couples. So online communities, books, things that I looked at when I was writing my own book. Um, kind of general relationship uh, and financial resources and things like that. So really the kind of the things I wish I'd had when I was in a medical student relationship. Um, yeah. 
Well, Sarah, I want to thank you so much because this has been a very informative and enlightening session with you. And uh, I think so many of our readers uh, are in situations where they're in relationships and they're part of a couple and, and they're dealing with so many of these issues that you've talked about. And I know that in listening to you and, and reading your book, they're going to have an excellent resource to, to help guide them through this process. Thank you so much. And thank you again for having me. In closing, please do take care of yourself, your significant other, and your relationship. And thanks again to Sarah for sharing these wonderful strategies. Thank you for joining me today on this episode of the Success in Medicine podcast. Until next time, I'm Dr. Samir Desai. 